السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ ہاؤ یو آل ڈوئنگ الحمد للہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم اهد قلبي وسدد لساني واسلل سخيمه قلبي امين Inshallah today we will try our best to complete this chapter and uh, towards the end I will uh, take more questions from you inshallah okay we'll begin from bab number 10 bab salati tatawwi ala alhimar performing the voluntary prayers on a donkey meaning when a person is traveling and they happen to be riding a donkey are they allowed to perform voluntary prayer of course they are Remember that in Safa, during travel, it is permissible to perform voluntary prayer. Alright? And by Safa, I mean whether you're on the road or you are stopped somewhere or you're staying somewhere. So you are allowed to perform voluntary prayer. Just because the Fard Salah is shortened, it does not mean that you cannot perform voluntary prayer. Okay? You can. However, there is no sunnah ratiba. What is sunnah ratiba? What is sunnah ratiba? I want to use these terms so that you become more familiar with them. Okay? Sunnah ratiba, those sunnah which you perform with the fard prayer. Which ones are they? Which ones are they? Yeah? Okay, like for example, the two before fajr. For zuhr, which ones are they? Four before the fard and two after. Right? For asr, there is none. For maghrib, There's two after, right? So this is sunnah ratiba. You are not to pray sunnah ratiba while traveling. But voluntary prayer you can perform while traveling. And here the issue is that if a person is riding an animal which is not necessarily clean, or its body may not be clean, then in that case also you can perform prayer on it. And this is of course voluntary prayer. So for example, if you are driving your car, alright, and let's say the road is really dirty, okay, and you know that that dirt is not necessarily, it's not just mud, it's najasa, it's impurity. Maybe there's a leakage from somewhere, or there's a truck going in front of you and it's constantly dripping, it's possible, right? So if your car is dirty with najasa, can you perform voluntary prayer in your car? Yes, you can. Okay? You understand? You can do that. Salat al-tatawwi ala al-hima. And we have read the hadith already. Correct? We have, right? So we'll move on to the next one. Bab malam yatatawwi fi al-safari dubur al-salati wa qablaha. Man, the person who lam yatatawwi, he does not perform tatawwi prayer, meaning voluntary prayer, fi al-safari, in the safar during a journey dubura salati after the salah wa qablaha and before it and here what is meant by voluntary prayer is the sunnah ratiba okay so for example it is time for dhuhr and the traveler performs only the fard of dhuhr and what is the fard of dhuhr during travel two rak'ah he prays only two Is that okay? Or does he have to pray four before it and two after it? No, only two. 
What's the proof of that? حدثنا يحيى بن سليمان قال حدثني ابن وهب قال حدثني عمر بن محمد أن حفص بن عاصم حدثه قال سافر بن عمر So حفص بن عاصم said that سافر he traveled he went on a journey who ibn umar radiyallahu anhuma this is abdullah bin umar radiyallahu anhu he went on a journey faqala and in that journey he said that sahibtu an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wasallam i was in the company of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam meaning in his travels falam arahu and i did not see him yusabbihu Performing tasbih, and by tasbih, what is meant here? Salah, fis safari, while traveling. And this is of course, voluntary prayer. وَقَالَ اللَّهُ And Allah, Jalla ذِكْرُهُ Who is honored, His mention be exalted. He has said, that لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Allah the exalted has said that there is for you in the Messenger of Allah wasallam an excellent example. So what is Ibn Umar saying over here? That while we're traveling, I am not going to perform the voluntary prayers with the fard prayer. You understand? And why? Because I was in the company of the Prophet ﷺ many times and I never saw him doing that. And for me, the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is sufficient. Because in that is an excellent example. Because what happens is that when you are in the habit of performing these sunnah prayers, hmm? the sunnah ratiba and you're traveling and for zuhur you perform only two hmm? for asr you perform only two and in maghrib you just stop at the fard then you feel like you haven't done enough right so at that time what do you have to do you have to follow the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in leaving something also Remember, we follow the Prophet ﷺ in four matters. We follow the Prophet ﷺ in four matters. Firstly, in his qawl. If he said something, we also say it. Right? If he commanded us to do something verbally, then we will follow his command. The second is amal, in his action. If he did something, then we will also do it. Right? The third is taqreer, approval. If he approved of something, then we can also do that. And the fourth is tarq, which is that if he left something, then we should also leave it. We should not take a step ahead of the Prophet ﷺ over here. Alright? Because Allah says in the Qur'an that لَا تُقَدِّمُوا بَيْنَ يَدَيِ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Do not try to get ahead of Allah and His Messenger. So if the Prophet ﷺ performed only two rakah for zuhur, then let us not perform four before that and two after that while we're traveling. You understand? We will leave the four before the fard and we will leave the two after the fard. Because the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is an excellent example. The next hadith, حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا يحيى عن عيسى بن حفص بن عاصم قال حدثني أبي أنه سمع ابن عمر أنه سمع ابن عمر حفص بن عاصم said that my father reported that he heard ابن عمر رضي الله عنه يقول, he said, that صحبت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم I was in the company of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم 
فَكَانَ لَا يَزِيدُ فِي السَّفَرِ عَلَى رَكْعَتَيْنِ And the habit of the messenger was that he would not do any more than the two rak'ah while traveling. وَأَبَا بَكْرٍ And also Abu Bakr did the same. وَعُمَرْ وَعُثْمَانِ كَذَلِكَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ Umar and Uthman, may Allah be pleased with them, all of these companions, this was their habit. So what was their usual practice? That when the Prophet ﷺ traveled, he would pray only the obligatory prayers, alright, for the obligatory prayer. Alright? Meaning he would limit himself to just the fard. No sunnah mu'akkada. Before or after the fard. You understand? And we see that the Sahaba, they took this matter so seriously. Like for example, in a narration we learn that Asim, who was the son of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he said that I was on a journey with my father, Abdullah ibn Umar, on the way to Makkah. And he led us in two rak'ah for Zuhr prayer. So they performed two rak'ah behind ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, alright, on a journey. So what happened that after the salah, Ibn Umar anhu he got up and went to where his luggage was. So Asim said that I also went along with him. So you can imagine they stopped, they prayed at a certain place. Their animals, their baggage are on other side. So after the salah, they got up from the place of prayer and went to where their baggage was. Alright? So Ibn Umar anhu when he went there, he looked back at the place where they had prayed and some people were performing salah. So Abdullah bin Umar asked Asim that what are these people doing? And he said they're performing their sunnah. Alright, this is on a journey. So Asim said they're performing their sunnah. And Abdullah bin Umar anhu, he said that if I wanted to pray after the fard prayer, I would have completed my prayer. You understand? Meaning instead of performing sunnah ratiba, I would have performed four rakah for fard. Isn't it? Because what's better? The fard or the sunnah ratiba? What's better? The fard. So if you were really required to pray, then perform the full prayer. If Allah has given you a concession for your obligatory prayer, then accept that concession and don't add to it. Right? And then he said that I was in the company of the Prophet ﷺ and I never saw him do this. And he mentioned that Abu Bakr anhu, Umar anhu, Uthman anhu, these companions, they never performed the sunnah ratiba while traveling. So is this clear now? But there is one exception. One sunnah ratiba that we pray, we do not leave even when we travel. Which one is that? The fajr one. Alright? And this is what we see in the next bab. That bab man tatawa'a fi safari fi ghayri duburi salawati wa qablaha. Man tatawa'a, the one who performs voluntary prayer fi safar while traveling. Fi ghayri duburi salawati wa qablaha. Not before the fald prayer nor after it. So basically there's two types of voluntary prayer. Okay? One type of voluntary prayer is that which you perform with the fard prayer. Which one is that? What is it called? Sunnah Ratiba. Alright? And then there is the other type of voluntary prayer which you perform at any other time. How many ever you want. Like for example, just like that. You want to review some Qur'an, you have some time. So you perform voluntary prayer. Tahajjud. 
istikhara. You know, you want to make dua, you're really worried about a certain matter. So before your dua, you perform two raka'ah nafl. And likewise, tahiyatul wudu, tahiyatul masjid. Right? So when it comes to safar, when you're traveling, you do not perform the first type of voluntary prayer. Which one is that? Sunnah ratiba. But the second type of voluntary prayer, can you perform that? Yes. Can you perform tahajjud? Yes. Can you perform istikhara? Yes. It's not like you're prohibited from praying. You understand? Because this is the other extreme that many people go to. That if I'm traveling, oh, I only perform the shortened prayer and that's it. No, you're not barred from performing salah. Likewise, a person may be in a masjid and there's salatul jama'ah going on. Right? And the imam is going to lead four rakah for isha. And the traveler is in the masjid and he says, no, no, I'm traveling so I'm not going to join them in prayer. No, you're not prohibited from praying. You can pray. Alright? Remember that the deeds that draw you closer to Allah are which ones? First and foremost, the obligatory deeds. And then after that, the voluntary deeds. The more voluntary deeds you perform, the closer you draw to Allah the Exalted. وَرَكَعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ رَكَعَتَيِ الْفَجْرِ فِي السَّفَرِ And the Prophet ﷺ performed the two rak'ah of fajr while traveling. And which two rak'ah is this? Which voluntary prayer? The first category one. And which one is that? Sunnah Ratiba. حدثنا حفص بن عمر قال حدثنا شعبة عن عمر عن ابن أبي ليلى قال ما أنبأ أحد أنه رأى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الضحى غير أم هانئ He said عبد الرحمن بن أبي ليلى He said that ما أنبأ أحد No one has informed that أنه رَأَ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ صَلَّى الضُّحَى That they saw the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم performing the duha prayer غَيْرُ أُمِّهَانِ Except for أُمُّهَانِ She's the only person who has reported that she saw the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم perform salatu duha You understand? There is only Ummi Hani who reported that the Prophet ﷺ performed Salatul Duha. What is Salatul Duha before we continue? Hmm? Yes. So first of all the question is, is it mandatory? Is it? No. Is it Sunnah Ratiwa? No, not at all. Because it's not with Zuhur, it's not with Fajr, it's not with Asr. Right? So it's it's a voluntary prayer. Right? And what is the time that you perform it? At Duha time. Okay, so basically, after the sun has completely risen, after the sun has completely risen, the redness has gone, it's daytime now. From that point until the sun reaches its zenith, its peak, its highest point. Okay, so from the time that the sun has completely risen until it reaches its peak, this time period is also a time when you can perform voluntary prayer. If you perform it earlier, earlier in the sense that soon after the sun has completely risen, then that salah is called ishraq. Okay? Ishraq. Because ishraq is from shuruq, rising. So it's closer to the time of rising, 
You understand? So it's called ishraq. But if you perform it slightly later than that, then it is called duha. You understand? So ishraq and duha are basically the same thing. If you perform it earlier, it's called ishraq. If you perform it later, it's called duha. You don't need to perform both. Okay? They're not two separate prayers. Okay? I mean, if you have the time and you want to perform nafal anyway, go ahead and do that. But don't say that I performed my ishraq, now I'm going to perform my duha. No. Okay? It's one prayer. Okay? One more thing about this prayer. You see, in the night time, there's a long time period when there is no obligatory prayer. Right? After Isha and before Fajr, there are so many hours when there is no prayer that is legislated. Okay? Then from Fajr to Zuhur, again, this is a long time period in which there is no prayer that is legislated, meaning Fard. Okay? So these are the two time periods in which we are encouraged to perform voluntary prayer. This is mentioned in the Qur'an also. And we see that in the night is tahajjud. And in the daytime is either duha or before that, ishraq. And we should try our best to perform at least one of them. If not the night prayer, then at least the ishraq prayer. And you see, this is the beauty of our religion. Because there are times when nights are very long. Right? You can wake up well before Fajr, perform your tahajjud. And then there are times when nights are really short. Like for example, again, Ramadan is going to be in the summer. Right? Nights are going to be very, very short. And when you're not able to do long qiyam, then what happens is that you feel guilty. Right? So don't stay in that guilt and don't allow yourself to fall back completely. No, if you cannot perform prayer in the night time, then perform duha prayer or ishraq prayer. Right? Take advantage because it is through salah that we draw close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So anyway, Ummi Hani was the only person who narrated that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam performed salatul duha. Dhakarat, she mentioned that anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, yawma on the day of Fathi Makkah, of the conquest of Makkah, اِغْتَسَلَ فِي بَيْتِهَا So remember the conquest of Makkah, the Prophet ﷺ is visiting Makkah. Right? He's a traveler. Alright? And Umhani was his relative, so he took a bath in her house. فَصَلَّى سَمَانِ رَكَعَاتِ And then he performed eight raka'ah. Eight raka'ah for duha. And remember the habit of the Prophet ﷺ was that even for tahajjud, he would perform how many raka'ah? How many? Eight. Right? Eight followed by three witr. Right? This was his usual habit. So some scholars actually say, because this is the only report, this is the only report from which we learn that he performed salatul duha, meaning only at this occasion. So some scholars, they say, that this was unique for this occasion in the sense that because it was the conquest of Makkah, the Prophet ﷺ performed extra prayers as gratitude. Alright? And some say that because he was traveling, perhaps in the night, he was not able to perform his tahajjud. So he made up for that when? When? During the daytime, meaning duha. Alright? 
So, فَصَلَّى ثَمَانِ رَكَعَاتِ فَمَا رَأَيْتُهُ صَلَّى صَلَاةً أَخَفَّ مِنْهَا She said that I did not see the Prophet ﷺ perform a prayer that was lighter than it. Meaning this was the shortest prayer I ever saw him perform. Short. Meaning the qiyam was not long, the rukur was not long, the sujood was not long, very short. غَيْرَ أَنَّهُ يُتِمُّ الرُّكُوعَ وَالسُّجُودِ But of course he did complete the rukur and sujood. Meaning, the prayer was short, but there was no compromise on the completion of every aspect of prayer. So, this was Salatul Duha. Alright? Now, what do we see? Why is this hadith being mentioned over here? What has this got to do with Safar? Look at the Bab. What is the chapter heading? What is the chapter heading? Performing voluntary prayers on a journey. Which ones? Which ones? Those which are linked with the fault prayer? No. Other ones. Alright? So this is a proof of that. He performed eight raka'ah. Nafal. Alright? For duha. وَقَالَ اللَّيْسُ حَدَّثَنِي يُونُسْ عَنِ ابْنِ شِهَابٍ قَالَ حَدَّثَنِي عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنُ عَامِرٍ أَنَّ أَبَاهُ أَخْبَرَهُ أَنَّهُ رَأَى النَّبِيَ صلى الله عليه وسلم Amir reported that he had seen the Prophet ﷺ that he performed the subha in the night. What is subha? What is tasbih? Voluntary prayer. He performed voluntary prayer in the night when fissafar, while he was traveling. How did he perform that prayer? عَلَى ظَهْرِ رَاحِلَتِهِ On the back of his animal, meaning while riding it, حَيْسُ تَوَجَّهَتْ بِهِ In whatever direction that his animal faced. Meaning even if the animal was turning, alright, going in different directions, because you have to do that in a journey, right? You don't just go straight, sometimes you have to go sideways, right? So basically the point is that even though he was not facing the Qibla, right, he performed the prayer. Which prayer is this? Can you do this for Fard's prayer? No. Which prayer is this then? Voluntary prayer. And why is Imam Bukhari mentioning this hadith over here? To prove that you can pray voluntary prayer. Because when is he performing this? In the middle of the night. This is after Isha. This is not the sunnah of Isha. Right? حدثنا أبو اليمان قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال أخبرني سالم بن عبد الله عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يسبح على ظهر راحلته حيث كان وجهه يومئ برأسه وكان ابن عمر يفعله ابن عمر رضي الله عنه again is reporting have you noticed so many ahadith have been reported by Abdullah bin Umar رضي الله عنه he said that the Prophet ﷺ would perform voluntary prayer on the back of his animal, meaning while riding it. In whatever direction his face was. How would he perform ruku' and sujood? He would just gesture with his head. Ibn Umar would also do the same. He would also do the same. So can we do the same also? Yeah? Okay. Before we continue, any question? You have a question? Go ahead. Okay. Duha prayer, if you can pray four instead of eight. 
Yes, you can perform two, you can perform four. Yes, for four, of course, there is a certain significance, right? And I will quote the hadith, inshallah. So for duha prayer, you can perform two or four. Ishraq also, two, four, six, eight, it's up to you. Okay? In sets of two. Yes. Of course. When you're traveling, then you have to perform the fault prayer facing the qibla, not sitting down, but standing, unless a person is not able to do that. Which would be if you are sitting on a plane, or you are going on a train, or something like that, then of course you cannot. Okay? Otherwise, you have to face the qibla. Okay? Yes. The question is that sometimes when you're traveling from one country to the other, you know, from one continent to the other, long flight, and what happens is that, for example, you leave in the morning after Fajr, right? That's when the plane takes off. And as you are traveling for like 14 hours, outside you see only daytime, right? It happens that you see only daytime. For those 14 hours, it's just daytime. So what are you going to do? You're going to pray Luhur and Asr only. Only once. You're not going to repeat them. Okay? So yes, for those 14 hours, you only have to pray two prayers and that's okay. Okay? So basically you have to perform the prayer whose time you witness. Okay? Whose time you witness. So given where you are at a given time, it's Zuhur and it's Zuhur for like 10 hours maybe, it's fine. You pray Zuhur only once. Okay? So sometimes what happens is that when you land, it's still Zuhur time. Right? So okay, then you don't have to pray in the plane. You don't have to. You can just pray when you land. Right? But sometimes it's a little tricky because you land very close to Maghrib. Right? There's barely an hour between when you land and Maghrib. And that hour is not sufficient to get out of the plane, get your luggage, declare your baggage and then get out of the airport and then to your destination. You might miss your prayer like that. So then it's better to just perform the prayer in the plane and then land. Of course, you will only perform it if the time has entered. Right? So if the time of Zuhr has entered, then you can perform Zuhr and Asr together in the plane, land and then go your way. Any other question? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this word, uh, subha, yeah. this is from Tasbih, Seen Baha. Alright? So, I mentioned this earlier that Tasbih is used for prayer. Okay? It is used for Salah. With Salah, voluntary Salah. But in general, also the word Tasbih is used for Salah. Isn't it that in the Quran we learn, Fasabih bihamdi rabbika qabla tulu'i shamsi wa qabla al-ghurub? Right? So you see the command to do tasbih mentioned in the Qur'an, meaning do tasbih at these certain times, and those verses have been interpreted as what? Prayer. Right? So tasbih means salah. Yes, sister. When does the time for salat al-duha end? When? When the sun reaches its peak. Noon? No. Before that. Okay? Yes. Mm-hmm. Same thing for the night. So the question is that what if you are traveling in the night and you witness the night for the, those 14 to 16 hours, what are you going to do in that situation? Again, you will pray Maghrib and Isha only once. 
Okay? And since it's a long flight in the night time, this is an excellent time to perform tahajjud. Right? Generally at home you don't get a chance, but here you're awake anyway. You're not able to sleep, so might as well. Right? Okay. Let's continue.